Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists who are working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Jim Harlow, who will discuss the use of the adult attachment interview. And now your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter. And do you find in the course of um, using the questions, I'll say the questions from the adult attachment interview, Mm -hmm. in some situations you're not using the entire interview, you are uncovering, so to speak, traumatic events that you then work through with parents or there at times there there are yes um and usually we there there's nothing mad i mean well i don't i I want to be careful with what i say i was going to say there's nothing magic about the questions i I don't want to diminish the questions at all they really are powerful questions uh but in the course of uh ask taking a a history of somebody that's come in for therapy or something like that sometimes some of the same things will come up now the the most of your listeners will probably be familiar the the first really when i do it about the first half of the interview is just kind of some general uh context for their history but then there's a question this questions about give me you know five words or phrases or adjectives to describe the relationship you had with your mom. Same thing with your relationship with your dad. Now tell me some stories with that. Some of those questions are really um, revealing as far as uh, both what happened and what the person remembers, uh, their view and attitude, their feeling about those things. All of that stuff comes through there and that would be, those are specialized in the sense of how they ask those. Uh, but quite often, people who get to me are are quite often pretty aware that they've got some places in their life that get them upset, that trigger them uh, when they get in certain situations, and that and that people are intelligent enough that they're connecting that with certain things that happened in their background. So usually, there's it's not it's they're not deeply hidden, at least for the group of people that I've that have been my clients. Okay. Yes. Good. Very, very helpful. Um, Just to add a little quick disclaimer um, about the adult attachment interview. So when people ask me, well, could we just use some of these questions? I say you can, and that can be fruitful, but it is not the same as using the entire interview. Just like if you were doing the Ainsworth Strange situation, which is a 20 minute segment, if you broke that up over you know, several different times with the baby, mm-hmm. you're, it, it's gonna have a different result. It's not right. going to be the same. And that the length of the interview and the questions and the interviewees needing to talk about the present, reflect on the past, talk mm-hmm. about the present, reflect on the past, mm-hmm. having to do that consecutively through the entire interview is where, as you know, we can see there's ample opportunity to be confused or not be able to say anything or a lot of the different things that we see come up in the AAI. So just to separate that, you're doing it both ways. You're sometimes Mm -hmm. using some of the 
the interview questions and then in some settings you have used the entire um, protocol and the whole interview. So I just, just want to explain that for people um, because I get that question a lot. Well, what if I just do some of the questions and right. I say that's a valuable process and I wouldn't discourage that. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's how this is going to need to fit into your practice, then what I say is really somehow asking about the background of the parents. Let's just start there because mm -hmm. you know, I know a lot of people aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and so then, you know, using questions from this, um, but that it is two different things to use some of the questions as opposed to actually administer the entire interview. Right. Right. And it's, and it's, it, it's, um, I'm just, I was trying to think of a comparison that would that would <laughs> make sense and, and nothing real clear. But it, but you know you can read books. For example, okay, I, many of your listeners may be familiar with Sue Johnson, emotionally focused therapy. Yeah, I've read yeah. the Hold Me Tight book, right? Right. But I but I've not gone through their training. I've not done the whole study. There's value for me to read that book, and it's real encouraging. And there's some good things that I've been able to glean out of that. But that's not the same as going through the whole training and what that value would be for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So that might be a, a way to yes. a comparison that would work. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, you know, just I, I just wanted to kind of uh, parse that out for people that think about that and wonder about that. So um, and have and I think many of our listeners might be thinking, oh, well, when you share your impressions of a specific classification, um, how do parents react? Does anyone get upset or? Oh yeah, it's, it's um, and, <laughs> and you know this is not uh, again my disclaimer from my point, and I say this real clearly to everybody that I that I work with. This is not the same as a full research scoring. I don't pretend that it is. I'm trying to give you my impressions as somebody who's certified and knows the scoring, uh, how this would be scored if it were taken through that full process. Mm -hmm. And but and so it's not like I'm. I've been through the whole uh, protocol. I have my little score sheet and, and I'm going over the results with the person. It's not that, but I do, I have looked over this multiple times. I've listened to it, looked over it, et cetera. Uh, pulled things out of the official scoring to, to as far as my impressions on this. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm doing this verbally, usually over the phone, not face to face uh, with the, uh, with the, interviewee and quite often their responses will uh, affirm my impressions if, is, does that make sense in other words i will be talking to somebody and i will come into some things that that may uh, show signs of some insecure styles and the other end of the phone kind of goes silent and um and it, that's not that you know that doesn't guarantee anything right but uh but it does there are times when that kind of confirms what my impressions were mm -hmm. because, because for those of us, and I include myself in this, for those of us who have a, a insecure background, it's hard to hear things that are not real, you know, totally affirming. Yeah. Everybody that I do wants to hear that they are free, autonomous or secure uh, across the board. That's what we want to hear. Um, quite frankly, in the populations that I've done, most people are not, uh, in my impression, uh, in those groupings. Um, and, and most people take it and, and are able to incorporate it really well. 
because they respect the process, they respect the instrument. And by that time, there's enough rapport with me that they're able to, you know, understand what I'm saying. And, 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 and it is gentle feedback. It is affirming of the things that they're doing well, right? But, uh, but, it's, but for some people, it's been really hard. Um, and it's a challenge for me in those kind of situations because I don't want to tell somebody, oh, you're all great if they're not um, because they need, because there's certain things that they may need to pay attention to that will affect not just them, but the people that they are closely related to as well. Yes. And so um, why is it that you're doing this, this feedback on the phone rather than in person? Well, it probably started, uh, like I said, most of the, the, the interviews that I did were uh, done at uh, TCU. Okay, I see. Okay, okay. okay. These were for people who were spread all over the nation. Okay, I they see. Had to do the interview as a part of their their training. And I so, see. So we did it through a conference call center. Okay, so um, another question. I'm. This is going to be a hard question, Jim. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, you know. There are some fairly common behaviors sometimes with children that have a history of, of trauma and disruptive mm -hmm. attachment. Sure, sure. Um, do you, are, are there any sort of, let's call it a dance for lack of a better word, that you, you'll often see child does this, parent does this, oh, that's something we have to work on. Or mm -hmm. child does this, parent does this. Are there one or two of those that often come up that you see happening? Um, perhaps related to the parents' own attachment history. Well, yeah. I mean, parenting is a really, really tough job. It is. Uh, because it calls on us to do at least two things really well. It calls on us to be nurturing and affirming and accepting, unconditionally loving with our kids. I mean, that's, I mean, it's really interesting because one of the questions, one of the latter questions on the interview uh, have to do with uh, what you, I th I'm trying to remember uh, how it's phrased, but, but how, you know, if I came back and asked your kids in when they grew up, mm -hmm. what they learned above everything else from you as a parent, as mm -hmm. their parent, what would you hope they would say, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so interesting because most people will say something about, I, I hope that they'll know that I was always with them, I was always on their side, you know, I loved them totally, those kind of things are real common answers there. And so that's, and, and that's really great because we want to have our kids, that's one of the jobs of parenting, is that mm -hmm. unconditional love. But on the other hand, there's, we're also tasked to um, raise kids who understand responsibility understand the difference between right and wrong, uh, know how, know that they're supposed to do their homework so that they you can get through school. Those kind of things where we have to provide structure. And you've, you know, you, broadly this can be termed structure and nurture. How do we balance those two things uh, together, right? Mm -hmm. The problem that most of my parents, uh, the people that I work with have, and this is real common when kids come out of trauma, and, and really, if you go back, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately, and this is going to probably your your listeners are going to laugh at this, but because it's so basic, but that basic attachment cycle, need met, 
our need expressed, need met, and if we get that cycle going, that builds so much into, that's really builds attachment is what it does, right? Um, the, when kids come out of situations where they, where that cycle was not completed regularly, they don't feel like they've got a voice. They, and so the behavior becomes their voice, right? And because they can't trust in other people, uh, they, their caregivers have not been trustworthy in the past in their perception. Uh, they uh, have learned to manipulate or control or just withdraw or fold. There's a lot of ways that the children have learned to you know, to, to react in those kind of situations. So those are the behaviors you're talking about. It can be lying, stealing, cheating. It can be, uh, you know, hitting. It can be aggressive behaviors, those kind of things. Controlling behaviors. Um, what the parent needs to do, what I find at those kind of situations, and this hopefully will answer your question, is that I need to work with the parents so that they can see beyond, beyond the behaviors. They can see behind the behavior. What's the motivation? Where is this coming from? What's the need that this child has that I can meet that need? If I can, if I can get around the behavior to see what that need is and meet that need, then we start to establish connection, attachment, and the, then the behaviors will tend to become either become minimal in of, of themselves or if there's the connection then the child can really listen to me and i work with them and say hey can we do this a different way mm -hmm. right right, so, right so and it's at that place where the parent's attachment style becomes so important because those of us who come from an insecure background and i include myself in this and i've made I tell my people, don't worry about telling me your mistakes because I've made more mistakes than you've ever made in your life. Um, the the we can't do, we can't balance out that structure and nurture. We can't see past the behavior, um, and and that's the skill that comes as we become more secure in our own attachment style. As we yes, yes, yes. And you know when you said parenting is really hard because you have to do two things. My mind also went to um, what we talk about in the attachment literature, mentalization and reflective function. So this is what's going on inside of me. And, mm -hmm. and, and I can guess, I can hold on to that. And I can also guess what might be going on inside of you that is leading to this behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what you're talking about, not stopping sure. short at the behavior mm -hmm. and you know that, whatever that brings up the defensiveness whatever it brings up inside of us and it is hard and it's hard with just parenting children with it who don't have a traumatic background you know it's just all of this i think is hard that we that we bring into uh, you know sometimes what i say um is uh parenting is really hard and and perhaps parenting a child who's had um lost attachment figures, had traumatic events, will shine a light on any vulnerabilities that you have in these areas. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and those are, the, you know, the way the system works, those, the, those kind of relational breaks, whether you're in the foster care, adoptive care system, or whether you've just been through mom and dad got divorced, I'm staying with grandma, then I'm staying with aunt and uncle, and there, there's, even in the society, even in our general culture, that's real common. 
Um, yes. And um, so, so that's when you encounter those kind of things, it sets the child up to have a, a difficult time feeling like there really is somebody solid for them to trust in. And, uh, and that create, then the challenge is for the parent to, to be able to get out of their own stuff. So like you said, well, I forget how you phrased it, but their internal mental mm -hmm. processing mm -hmm. uh, and what's going on inside of them. To, to be able to do the research, do the detective work to see beyond the behavior, right? Yes. And, and the thing about that that is clear is that we need to be able to, with our parents, we need to be able to value the internal state of our child. And this is, this is husband-wife. This is friend-to-friend. This is any kind of relationship. We need to be able to value the internal state of the other more than we are concerned about our own internal state. Yeah, it's yeah. easy to see that we do this with a six-month-old baby that wakes up in the middle of the night. Oh, you don't go to the door and say, "Oh, Johnny, I'll talk to you at six thirty when I'm ready." Right? <laughs> say, oh, my baby, who's fragile, needs my help. I need to go in and check their diaper, give them the bottles, feed them. You know, do pick them up, do whatever they need. When the child is ten years old, sixteen years old, it becomes harder, I think, for those of us in that parental role to to go to the effort to do that number one the behaviors are bigger uh and the and the frustration is larger and so that's the point where we really need to be able to make that switch mm -hmm. where they're, they're, what they need is more than I need right now well that i think that that's a great note to wrap this up on um i think that this has been such a great discussion, Jim, and I, I appreciate you sharing your perspective in terms of your own experiences and how this has uh, impacted your practice with families and the ways that uh, you're even able to, to bring that to bear in a way that's enlightening and helpful for the parents and in terms of how they're parenting their children. I'm wondering, some people, you know, I've had some people ask me, where can I get an AAI? I, I, I want to know, you know, so maybe um, you want to share a little bit here as we wind down. Um, I know that is a, a, a service that you provide to people, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, if yes. you Sure. Yeah, if, if you gave the information on my website, there's a page on my website, which I would say we're going to try and do some work on that, hopefully before this is published if we can, but but uh, it's very simplistic, but there's a page where you can contact me and okay. get information on that. Um, the, uh, and, but the other thing that I'd like to mention, I don't know if you have people, uh, workers with uh, child placing agencies that may be listening to this, but there really is one of the, some of the work that I'm doing now um, has been real helpful. Not that it um, has been like groundbreaking for the for the for the adoption caseworker who's doing a home study. Usually, by the time they do the AAI and uh, and I give their feedback and I give the feedback to the worker, this is not a surprise really for the worker and really not so much for the parent uh, or prospective parent because they're pretty well aware. But what it does is it allow it for the for the adoption worker. It's somebody else saying to the parent from another perspective, 
oh, well, when you have this child placed with you, this may be some issue. These may be some issues that are may be challenging. I want to be able to be here for you when these things come up. It just surfaces things in ways that are uh, kind of outside the normal home study procedure. It can be right. Right. Yeah. So um, an additional layer of both insight and support. Yes. Um, and it so. just makes it easier for the parent to kind of get get the insight that they need to get. Good. Good. Well, well, thank you so much for being with me today. I greatly appreciate your your time and sharing your your training and your expertise and your experience. Okay. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate the chance to be here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site at www.theknowledgecenteratchadoc.com or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean for future podcasts as well as previous episodes too. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to theknowledgecenteratchadoc.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.